Welcome to the Ship Happens Podcast. I'm Jason Silver, and I'm here tonight with the new CEO of LQM, Mr. Daniel Rose. Daniel Rose, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's very good to be here. Uh, it's also a lovely venue we have. We're on the top of the Royalton Hotel on Park Avenue and 30th Street. It's a, be- it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. Very lucky a to be here. Wonderful place to talk about ships and bunkers. Absolutely. Anyway, so your new home at LQM, how did this happen? Uh, well, like, like any jobs, you know, I, uh, I was interviewed. Um, I did the, the exams, the psychometric tests. Psychometric. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and uh, somehow came out on top on the other side, which is, uh, which is amazing. But no, I'm very, very happy to be here. I'm very, very privileged. You have new friends? Well, you know, I, uh, I, I hope so. I, uh, I'm new to the group, obviously, but um, I spent the last few weeks here in the U.S. Uh, specifically with the task of, um, you know, getting to know the guys here because, as you probably know, LQM is largely considered to be a, an American brand. So uh, it's important that I spend some time here to get to know the guys. But is most of the business of LQM in the U.S.? Um, largely, yes. I mean, uh, we, we're obviously an international uh broker and trader uh, and we supply at all ports around the, the world but um, certainly in terms of manpower our, our core is here uh, and our core customer base is, is largely in the Americas let's say. Yeah. Okay, so now LQM has been doing pretty well anyway but they obviously have some, uh, they, they brought you in because uh, they want you to bring something new, something new to the, to the formula that presumably has been working. Well, you know, the, the business is, is very stable um, and I, you know, I have to take my hat off to, to, to Morton, who I'm taking over from. He's done a, a fantastic job of uh, stabilizing the business. So in many ways, coming in for me now has been quite easy. You know, it's, uh, I'm getting involved in a business which, which knows where it's at. It's, it's very, very well run. Um, and um, they've brought me in largely, I think, to uh, help to, to grow the business, I think. Uh, I'm going to be remaining in London, where I'm going to be building a team there. Uh, and then gradually we're going to be adding manpower towards the east over, over the next 12 months. Are you looking at any other interesting places aside from, let's say, the usual suspects like Singapore? Um, not, not at this time. Uh, we'll be focusing mainly on the, the main sort of bunker hubs of the world. Um, the way that um, LQM operates, I don't think it requires us to have uh, a physical human presence in every little corner of the world. We're going to have uh, good teams in main locations and we're going to stick to our formula, I think. It's really changed shape since uh, in the days before um, it was uh, when it was an independent company. LQM has changed since then, hasn't it? It's changed, but I think it's changed uh, largely to, to, to follow our customers. You know, we, we have to remain pertinent we have to remain relevant as we go into 2020 and beyond um, I think a lot of bunker brokers started their business and profited from the 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 asymmetry of information that existed in the 80s and 90s and beyond but obviously now in the in the year 2019 with the internet and with data as it is I think you can be a bunker buyer and you can google pretty much most of what you need to know about who supplies where and what prices are and, and so on. So we as bunker brokers traditionally, we need to adapt, we need to change to make sure that we're offering the very best value to our customers. And that will see us offering more trading services as, as we go forward. Yes, I was gonna ask you, so people used to leverage 
their as the asymmetry of information available. So in a time when there is this equality of information, really, how do you get better than the other guy? That's my first question. The second question is, um, of course, LQM was a broker. Now that's now moving into some trading. So will LQM be a broker who's a trader, or will it be a trader who also does broking? Okay, so to answer your first question, um, in order to give us some edge, we need to obviously um, work with what we know, and you know we're a we're a high volume player. We're very well known to the physical suppliers, and you know we have a number of large customers that you know rely on us to provide some transparency in the market um, to enable us to label them to know who's supplying where, what the best prices are, what the limitations to supply are, what the operational complexities might be. And yes, it's possible that you know some buyers are smarter than others, or some companies have invested more in in finding out. Uh, what is the best way to procure bunkers going forward. But it, at the end of the day, it comes down to operational bandwidth. So if you are one guy or girl buying for, let's say, 20 or 30 ships, uh, and you're also operating those vessels as well, you simply don't have time to reach into the minutiae of the details of all of these different supply options. And so you generally might like to use a, uh, a broker like us to provide some, some good advice, some good transparency. Um, and that's you know where we sort of provide provide the edge to customers. Going forward, however, um, into 2020, the fact that we we now trade is I think very very exciting because you won't be surprised to hear that we've had a number of customer relationships that have lasted you know nearly 30 years. Um, and when prices go up, we might discover that the physical suppliers that that know those accounts might reach maximum credit capacity. If we were just remaining as a broker only we wouldn't be able to help them procure bunkers if those suppliers run out of credit. I see. But now we can step in, continue to trade, and continue to enable their vessels to get bunkers, and just everything goes as normal. It's going to be seamless because they're working with LQM rather than any other broker. If you're working with a, a broker-only broker, you know what good is their service if they can't get you fuel because there's no credit? And that's, that's our sort of magic formula, if you like. Which uh, leads me to the next question. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put on my credit analyst hat, and you, mm -hmm. of course, uh, we come from a, a similar milieu in the past. Uh, you've mm -hmm. also, you were also a credit analyst, so mm -hmm. let's talk a little credit. Mm -hmm. um, I'll try now, my best. You'll try, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so we're coming towards that, um, that ominous or very uh, exciting day in mm -hmm. 63 days, mm -hmm. January 1st of 2020, mm -hmm. and um, the prices of the price of, of low sulfur fuel is going up, mm -hmm. and um, credit requirements are going to be higher, mm -hmm. um, whether it's from banks or whether it's from suppliers. Yep. Um, what's what's the new picture emerging, and um, how will you guys, for example, LQM, decide uh, who gets credit, who doesn't get credit? Is it get are you are you changing the way that you're uh, how you you're going to assess clients? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the, 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 the way that I would approach credit with LQM would be the same um, as I would approach it, I think, in, in any other company. You, you want to make right credit decisions regardless of who you're working for. But are course. things changing now? Are things... Uh, yeah, I think the, the, the way I'm seeing it, and just sort of give you my broad strokes on the whole 2020 situations, yeah. Yes, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure in the market. However, I do think that our customers are going to remain profitable. Uh, I think freight rates are going to respond to you know the new 
cost economics that's going to be involved going forward. Um, but of course, cash flows are going to be impacted because we're going to be dealing with a more expensive commodity. Our customers are going to have a higher cost base or a voyage, higher voyage cost base, I should say. Um, and that is ultimately, I think, going to squeeze the supply chain potentially more than the customers themselves. It's going to squeeze the, the cash flows of the suppliers potentially. It's going to certainly squeeze the cash flow of the traders that they get involved in the middle. And that's really where, if I sort of have to look at any sort of pressure points in credit going into 2020, that's really where I'm looking right now. Right. Now, another thing, you're looking at, um, you know, the, um, you came from Integrate, mm -hmm. which was really a company that supported the fleet of Navigate. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing more and more of these uh, creatures popping up, these these new, these trading arms that are really, that, that, that are created to serve uh, the fleets of these large shipping companies yep. uh, recently with with Aurora with Borealis and then with and on a larger scale um, Geo served with uh, with um, Scorpio. with Scorpio yep. um, is now do you think this is a trend that will keep on going and what and uh, this and I'd like to know your feeling about about these fleet traders yeah I uh, obviously I sort of might my school in let's say bunkers which wasn't credit related was was integrate uh, and i learned a huge amount there um so i i feel quite sort of on, on board with a lot of what these companies are doing um i don't think it's a trend uh, right now of these companies coming in and as you said you mentioned uh, aurora and geoserve i don't think it's a trend i just think it's it's happening i don't think there's been some structural change in the market which has led uh, big fleets think, oh, right, we need to look at our bunkers differently. In fact, I think... You don't think because of 2020 that... that... I think I think the opposite. I think mm -hmm. with fuel prices going up next year, I think now is not, in, in many ways, not the time to start messing around with your credit lines that, that are going to be fueling your fleet. Um, to, to have to, on the eve of 2020, have to get a new credit assessment done on your new procurement entity is... Uh, potentially going to create a wrinkle which you know it's not impossible to deal with but it's just if I was in charge of a big fleet right now I just would be keeping things super simple making sure that my credit lines were as big and as open as possible and I had as much headroom as possible under those credit lines um, I wouldn't be looking to reinvent the wheel in terms of procurement right now I think going forward there are huge potentials to uh, to improve your bunker procurement. Well, why uh, do you think Scorpio did it? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Scorpio, as, as you well know, has been buying its bunkers through through Integrate for, for a long time. Um, what, I, it's not for me to say why they changed. I, I, I don't know that. But, but I will say, um, and again, of course, I'm a little bit biased because I'm, I'm at LQM, but I think going forward, what we're going to be doing we're going to be offering is a kind of a blend of broking and trading for larger fleets which enables them to get you know absolute visibility um, across the market enables them to use their own credit lines where they have them but it also enables them to use our credit lines in locations or funky little ports where they might not have credit lines where we can go in as LQM as a global brand and offer them a turnkey transparent solution for procurement so you really said that it's interesting the trading is really complementary to broking yes that's in, that, that's interesting. Um, now, um, I'd like you to put on your um, uh, your uh, now. We're going to take out our, our bunker 
crystal ball. Okay. Our briny bunker crystal ball. Okay. And uh, you've been around for a long time. And I'd uh, are there? Do you have any um, any sort of predictions or hunches about what's going to happen in the next few months? That's um, going to wow everyone in podcast land. <laughs> I don't know. There's a few things. I mean, to, uh, I can say something that's going to scare uh, scare the wits out of your listeners, and I can say something that's going to make them feel calm. So I'll start with the calm thing first, right? Which is uh, chaos normally ensues when there's a shock, right? 2020, we've seen the light at the end of the tunnel coming towards us for a very long time. We know it's the train coming towards us, and we know that we have to jump out of the way or at least adapt to that change. Everyone has known it. Uh, bunker traders know it, physical suppliers know it, the buyers know it. So for that reason, I don't think we're going to get to the 1st of January and it's going to be chaos. I don't think there's going to be chaos. However... The end of the world won't happen? No? I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Um, however, what I, what I am genuinely concerned about is the as prices go up um, and cash flows of the intermediaries get squeezed, I'm worried that you're going to see more intermediaries utilizing credit of other traders to get the credit that they need. So you could find that your your chain of your procurement and the elements of that chain just gets longer. And if you're the buyer, you might not know that because the trader that you've been dealing with for a long time has, has given you a price. But they don't necessarily have to tell you that I've got this price because I've got a credit line from another trader who happens to have a little bit of spare capacity left with this oil major in Singapore, right? That worries me a great deal. So going into 2020, I think all buyers need to really look back and test the financial strength of the supply chains that, that they're using. And of course, that probably plays into the, into the uh, court of, of secret, I'm sure. Um, but that, that is something that, that, uh, that really worries me. And, and I think any buyer needs to ask the right questions about how, how the... Uh, and sellers too, by the way. You know, the, the, like uh, yeah, suppliers yes, too. Absolutely, no. That's that's that's. No, absolutely it's funny. True. I was just looking at. I was looking at a chain. I was looking at the old court case mm -hmm. uh, from that uh, was just uh, that was about to go to the Supreme Court mm -hmm. between um, Valero and no, I'm sorry, between New Star and OW. Okay. And if you looked at the chain of suppliers between New Star and the end user, there were about five or six entities in between. Yeah, not good. Um, not good. Not so, so this is this is what you're talking about. And, and let's not forget, you know, OW Bunkers. That was what almost exactly five years ago to the day. And Four, five, five, five years ago. Five today. years ago. Yes. Holy smoke! And uh, after that happened, of course, everyone said, "Yeah, everyone, all the big fleets started banging their chests and saying, we're going to go direct. We don't need traders.' Uh -huh. Which is a rational thing to say. It's a rational reaction. But I wonder if going into 2020, when the credit lines get stretched, that they actually genuinely start looking for more traders in between if they're going to really start examining those supply chains again because I really think they should because there are very few companies out there that don't do non-recourse finance uh -huh. okay and that is the that that again so if you could imagine like the worst case scenario and I don't want to be this person saying it's doom 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 I'm not I'm not that guy um, but you know worst case scenario you've got your trader but they've got another three traders behind them. They're all doing receivables financing. Everyone's trying to come after your asset. The only asset in that chain is the buyer's ship, right? Yes. And if I'm the buyer, <laughs> I think it's, I'm morally obliged to make sure that the chain that's supplying that ship is not going to kill me. 
Yes. Right. And and that that is. Yes, what, I think you have an obligation not to have yours not commit suicide. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so so listen, I I, I don't know. I, I going back to what I said before. I think it's generally going to be okay. Um, I don't see an immediate moment of chaos. Um, we we at LQM, we're sort of leading the market right now in terms of uh, monitoring the availabilities of different grades at all ports around the world. Um, we've been doing that since the beginning of the year. We you know continue to work with our customers on that. And if anyone follows our LinkedIn page, you'll receive automatic updates uh, in your feed with regards to which ports are coming on stream with all the different grades. And I also think it's going to be interesting going into 2020, the availability of high sulfur grades as well, um, because you know there's going to be certain supply imbalances in, in many of the larger ports. Yes. So so let's let's look at that. Let's see see what happens. Um, but I, but I will say uh, as a kind of a parting shot is that you know IMO 2020 had to happen. You know I think the Economist said in 2017 that I think the 15 largest ships in the world produce as much carbon as every single car in the world combined in a year, right? It, something has to change. But what I've been a little bit disappointed about is how, how quiet the voice of the intermediary has been, the financial intermediary has been in these changes. Um, we were happy to be invited to the IMO 2020 symposium at the IMO headquarters in London a few weeks ago. And I think I was the only trader in, trader broker in the room. I didn't see anyone else there, mm. which I think tells the story. Yes. Um, something like 33% of all marine fuels that are supplied go through companies like mine. And that percentage is going to increase next year as credit lines are tested. Yep. Um, so I think we've got a, a big weight of work on our hands to keep the global merchant fleet going, but I'm sure we'll, we'll find a way through. Absolutely. Well, it was great having you. And I me. think we're going to have uh, continued uh, having our uh, fancy drinks here on the roof. <laughs> I hope so, yes. Um, thank you to Daniel Rose, CEO of LQM, for joining us on Ship Happens. Till next time. Thank you very much.